Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. They had a reverence for God. And I think that's something that we really need to examine our hearts about. You know, sometimes we can get to be like, oh, the Lord is my friend, he's my buddy. Well, that, that may be true, but don't let it end there. We have to remember, he's a holy God. He's the God of all the living. Everything that you see, he is allowed to exist and he created by them and for them where he created. The heavens declare the glory of God, the, the wonderful majesty of who he is. Never forget that he's almighty God and, and it ought to bring a healthy fear into our hearts. Welcome to Truth in Christ for Today. Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 5 today with the remembrance of the Ten Commandments. As we learn the specific parts of these commandments and what they mean for us today, Pastor Rob reminds us that we are to never lose our sense of who our God is. The nation of Israel feared God when his presence was known to them. So how much more, being his children, whom which his Holy Spirit dwells within us, should always have the same fear or reverence? Yes, he is our friend, but he is God Almighty, who loves us and blesses us daily. Here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. But the Sabbath for us is good, whatever day that is, whether it's Friday at sundown to Sunday or Saturday at noon down, like, or sun, the Saturday at sundown like it is for the Jews. That's their Sabbath. We think of Sunday as a Sabbath, but is it? Is it a Sabbath? Is it a day that you rest? There are some companies that will stay open 24-7, seven days a week, and, they, and their employees are burning out. And there's no rest because there's money to be made. And you know that it, Jesus said, I, I haven't made the Sabbath um, man for the Sabbath, but I've made the Sabbath for man. He made it for us because we need a rest. So does everybody else that serves us. If you're, if you're a, a, a business owner, do you just drive them into the ground? There are some countries and some young people and some older people who are working their thumbs right to the nub in other countries, in Asia. People are committing suicide, sitting in these little places making computer parts because they've got to produced a certain pile before the end of the day, and they're working feverishly with very little breaks, and they're losing their mind. And then on their lunch hour, they decide to jump over the the fence and jump into the river because they can't take it anymore. They've worked so hard so long, there's no hope. And God says, well, why don't you just take a Sabbath? And why doesn't your employer give you that day for you to rest? It's so good for us. We need to be reset. We need to be renewed. We need a day where we can worship Jesus Christ. We need a day we can just sit and, and rest. I love sitting and reading my Bible with my coffee or something to drink. I love to sit there and just read. I do it all day. When we go camping, that's all I like to do, sit in my hammock. got this really cool hammock I hang up between two trees. 
And I love it because I'll sit in there and I'll sit there with my Bible, something to drink, and my little thermos of coffee, and I'll just sit there. I could sit there all day, but I got to eat, right? So when I hear the triangle, ding, 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 I get, up, I get out of my thing. So the Sabbath is good. In Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 30, or 28, let me just read something to you. Jesus speaking, he says, Now it happened that he, Jesus, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went through, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do you do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was need in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Isn't that awesome? He is, because he knows what's best for us. He knows that we need a break. And we're more productive, too. Some uh, countries, like over in Europe, in Spain, I know they still do this, I believe, in the middle of the day, they'll have a siesta. You work from 6 o'clock or whatever, and right around noon, they'll just go home, and for like two hours, they'll go home, take a nap, have a big, big meal, huge meal. They eat big meals at lunchtime. And they eat small meals at dinner. That's why they're thinner than us. <laughs> but they, they, they do that. And they take that time. They get restored and renewed. And then finally they go back to work and they're even more productive. That's what we need to do. So tomorrow, go to your boss and say, uh, around noon I'm checking out. I'll see you at three. Don't do that. Unless you got the grace for it and your boss does too. The Lord says, and remember, verse 15 He says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. That's why the Sabbath was such a big deal. And the Lord God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You know, the Egyptians could care less about the Sabbath. They worked them to the bone. And God brings them out of this house of bondage, and he gives them a Sabbath, gives them a day. And he says, what I have done to you, I want you to do also to others. In fact, he says... In Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 12, it's the golden rule, the one that we know. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, Paul in Romans, he said this in Romans 14. He said, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. And let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives God thanks and he who does not give or does not eat for the Lord, to the Lord, he does not eat and give. I think I skipped a line here, excuse me. (laughs) To the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord for he gives thanks. He gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. And, if we, uh, and therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that, we might, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he goes on in the end of that, and he says, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We can bicker about things that we eat. We can bicker about things that we do, about days or days that we don't worship. 
But whatever it is, whatever day it is, take that day and do it. And don't worry if it's not Sunday. Your work schedule may not allow you to do it on Sunday. Do it on Monday. Do it on Tuesday. Whatever day it is that you've got a day, but for heaven's sakes, take a day and just worship the Lord and get alone and, and get refreshed and get renewed. In verse 16, he says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that, you may, that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You know, there was a law where if a, if a child dis, was disobedient to the parents long enough and he cursed his mom and dad, they would actually take him out, be, out to the, the gate outside the city and they would stone that child to put away the rebellion. Can you imagine that? And God put that in there for a reason. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Respect them. Reverence them. Even if they're not a Christian, you can still love them. You can still obey them according to the, according to the word. As much as lies within you, be obedient to your family, to your mom and dad. Unless it leads you against what the revealed will of God is, then you have to respectfully decline. But we ought to do that. And even in our day, you know, if, we don't, if our kids don't reverence us as parents, their whole relationship with authority is going to break down. And we live in a generation right now that has no fear of authority, has no, no respect for any authority. My mom and my brother are police officers, and my mom's retired now, but my brother, he's told me stories where he'll just pull some guy over, and the, and the guy's just, before he even comes up the car, the guy's already rolling down his window and saying all kinds of nasty things. You don't want to say that to my brother. He's big. He's mean. He can be. I wouldn't want to mess with him. Anyway, the, the idea is authority. What is your attitude toward authority? It's a good question to ask. Having a healthy respect for authority prolongs life because here's the deal. If we live and we don't honor our mother and our father, if we don't have a reverence, a respect for them, we're not going to have any respect for any authority. And what is that path that's going to lead you down when you say, I'm not going to obey you any longer? Disobedience always leads a path to death. Eventually, you're going to make a series of choices, and it's just going to be rotten, every single one you make, because of your disobedience. But when you are obedient to the Word of God, there's a wonderful thing in being obedient to the Word, is that you will find that it is true, and that there is the blessing attached to it. But if you say, no, I'm going to do it my own way, God is saying, you know what? You have a mind, you can do what you like. I'll see you in a few years. See you in a few months when you break, and you come back weeping. I'll take you back. But do you understand, you could have avoided this whole thing by doing one thing, and that's being obedient. So important to be obedient. You know, I was flabbergasted. I, I, I can't get this off my brain. Yesterday, there was this CNN um, journalist who had this spat with the president. And I don't know if you saw the video, but this man was obstinate. And the president tells him, after a few moments, to put the mic down and, you know, to cease, and he wouldn't stop. And then finally one of the aides comes up, and this, this young lady, young girl, she looks like she's probably in her 20s, she comes up and she's trying to wrestle this microphone out of this guy's hand, and he would not, and he pulls it away and moves her arm and moves her away, and he still continues to talk, the most powerful man in the world. I mean, we know who that really is, but there's a respect for that office, whether you like the man or not. And here this man has no problem. He probably grew up in a home where 
He didn't respect his mom or his dad. He's the type of guy who will probably run and, and, and get pulled over by a police officer, and the police officer will ask for his title and registration and his driver's license, and he'll say, do you know who I am? And the police officer will be going like, I could care less. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I, who, who I am? I've got, I'm up in the upper echelon of all this stuff. You should know who I am. You should bow to me and kiss the ring, <laughs> right? And you think of the arrogance of someone like that. No sense of authority at all in his heart. He is on the throne of his own heart. And I pray to God that that man comes to know Christ. If he lived 1,500 years ago and he pulled that kind of thing in front of Nebuchadnezzar, guess what? He'd be buried today without a head. A pagan king would have cut him in two for speaking like that. But yet he can stand before the President of the United States and act like an imbecile in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And he said to them, Set your heart on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law, for it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. Notice that. And by this word you shall prolong your days. Isn't that wonderful? The idea behind of all, this, all, the, all these things are life. God wants you to live. He wants you to have a fruitful life. And if we are obedient, we will have a fruitful life. If we are not obedient, we will have a life that's riddled with sin, with destruction, Everything's going to start caving in around us eventually, eventually. And by this word, you shall prolong your days in the land which you shall cross over the Jordan to possess. And he goes on, he says, you shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery. There's this wonderful app. If you've got an iPhone or whatever, there's this great app. It's Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. You can go in the app store and you can just type in 1828 and you can download it. But it's a really great uh, dictionary because it's an old, old-time dictionary. It's got scripture references in it, and it really gets to the meat of some of the... the, the, the cl- it's closer to the definitions of some of these words. But I love what it says it's, uh, concerning adultery. It says, violation of the marriage bed, a crime or a civil injury injury, which introduces or may introduce into a family a spurious offspring. And I love what it says here. It says, by the laws of Connecticut, the sexual intercourse of any man with a married woman is the crime of adultery in both. And such intercourse of a married man with an unmarried woman is fornication in both and adultery of the man within the meaning of the law respecting divorce. Adultery, we all know what that is. Let me just use uh, middle school terms. It's not just fourth base. It's first base, second base. Because where's your heart in all of this, right? In fact, Jesus said this in uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Let me read this to you because all these commands are external. When you think of uh, murder and adultery, you think of the physical act of killing somebody. When you think of adultery, you think of grabbing your neighbor's wife. But Jesus went even further and he got right to the heart of it because it's not even just the physical outward act of it. It's internal. What's going on inside of you? For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, You've heard it that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Wow, that changes things. Now it's not just the physical act. Now it's the the motivation of my heart, my anger, without a cause. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. 
And he goes on here, and then finally, let's go down to verse 27. He says, you've also heard that it was said of old that you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman to lust at her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's not just the physical act anymore, it's what's inside. He says, you shall not steal. And that's taking anything that doesn't belong to you. And, you know, there's some really great statistics about employee theft. Employee theft is one of the greatest things now. And and I was going to read to you some things, but we're going to run out of time here. So suffice it to say, employee theft is rate of, it's the highest thing that's going on right now. Several millions and billions of dollars every year in companies is because of employee theft, taking pencils, taking scissors, taking tape, you name it. Uh, there's people uh, in the Apple stores who are, you know, putting their trash out and they're throwing in a MacBook Pro in the, in the garbage and taking it out to the trash and coming back around midnight to pick it up. These kinds of things happen. Employee theft, huge, and it's on the rise, by the way. In verse 20, it says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And that's slandering, slandering your neighbor, lying about them, saying things that are not true. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, or his ox, his donkey, anything that's your neighbor's. And what is it, what's happening today? We look at what, what somebody else has, and we find ourselves lusting for it and wanting it, and next thing you know, you've got something nicer in the, in the driveway because you notice that your neighbor had something really nice. Covetousness is idolatry, the Bible says. These words, verse 22, the Lord spoke to all the assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud, the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote to them on two tables of stone and gave them to me. And so it was, verse 23, when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire. Again, he's recalling what had happened in the past, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. They had a reverence for God. And I think that's something that we really need to examine our hearts about. You know, sometimes we can get to be like, oh, the Lord is my friend, he's my buddy. Well, that that may be true, but don't let it end there. We have to remember, he's a holy God. He's the God of all the living. Everything that you see, he is allowed to exist and he created by them and for them where he created. The heavens declare the glory of God, the, the wonderful majesty of who he is. Never forget that he's almighty God, and, and it ought to bring a healthy fear into our hearts. Also to love him. Don't, you know, we don't have to you know, have him out here. You know, that's not what this is all about. But I think it's good to remember who he really is, and then come right next to him and say, Lord, I want to stick close to you, and I just want to love on you, and I want to be loved by you, Lord. Some people don't want to be loved. Some people are like porcupines. You ever been around a porcupine? they got points all around them. You can't get next to them. I know people like that. It's unfortunate. And it's really, you know, God wants you, he wants to be next to you, but never forget who he is. Never forget the, never, don't ever cease to be in awe of who he is. Don't let it get so comfortable for you that you forget the great gulf between us that could only been bridged by Jesus. For who is there of all flesh, verse 26, who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go, you go near and all that the Lord your God may say and tell us all that the Lord your God says to you and we will hear it and do it. Notice, they're going to do it. Going to do it. 
We're going to make it happen. And boy, without the Spirit of God in you, there is no way. There's no way. And even with the Spirit of God in you, we are so inconsistent. I know I am. And that's why it's so good to have that relationship with him and say, Lord, forgive me. I know what I did was wrong. And would you please forgive me again, Lord? It's the same thing I've been stumbling over. Same silly thing, God. Would you forgive me? And he says in that still small voice, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. And when you do, come back. Confess it. I'll forgive you. If you fall again, confess it. And pretty soon, that love is going to change your life. You're going to be so sick of that thing, whatever it is, or those things. Then the Lord heard, heard the voice of, your, of the words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of the people which they have spoken to you. They are right in, in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them. God knows the heart. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you... You stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. In spite of all this, I'm still going to give them the land. How good of God is that? Don't you love God? Isn't that awesome? In spite of all that, he still does that. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you, and you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God commanded you. And why? And why? Why does he want you to follow those commandments? Here it is, that you may live and that, you may, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. And if there's one thing you can remember, you know, in all of this is this, God's heart and design for man is that he might live. Is that he will live. God wants you to live in the, in, in the fullness of abundance. And so we're going to take communion right now. And this is a really great time to do it too because as we reflect on, on all of this, you know, it can really hurt. <laughs> it can really hurt inside. And especially if you're a person even tonight, you know, maybe you this week you're like, you know what, Lord? I don't feel like I deserve to be forgiven. None of us really do ever really feel like that. But you know, come and be set free. That's what this is for. The bread, he is, his body was broken for you on the cross. His blood was shed. And he says, take and eat. Do this often as, in, in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And when you ingest that, you're basically saying, Lord, I believe everything that you said, everything that you are, I ingest it into my innermost being. So when we drink that cup and we take that bread and we drink it and we get it down inside of us, it's just symbolic of, Lord, I want you in me. I want everything, all the goodness that you have. I want to remember what you did and I want to take it to the bank. (laughs) I want to deposit it and I want to see dividends for that investment that you made. My life to be an investment Lord, that one day when you come and you return, you'll, we'll be a witness unto you, as it says in Acts. Being a witness to God is something completely different than being a witness to man. We can fool man, but boy, when we can be a witness to God, he's like, you know what? I did a work in you long ago, and I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing so much wonderful things, so many wonderful things coming out of your life now. just want to tell you how much I love you, how encouraged I am because I see it working in your life. And that brings joy to the heart of God. And so do that tonight. You know, if there's anything in your heart, 
that you've been stressed about, anything you've been heartbroken about, anything at all, you have to take it tonight as we take communion together. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.